a sheep and cattle property near Barcaldon that had belonged to my grandfather, Norman Murray. The country there was ochre, scrubby, and we approached it along a rutted road that my mother navigated gingerly because of the bulldust. I could tell she was scared as soon as she turned off the bitumen. She gripped the wheel and narrowed her gaze to a few feet ahead, expecting us to strike disaster at any moment. The bush wasn't her natural element. She might have been born there, but after years of exile, she had become suburban and cautious. At the end of such a long journey, the homestead was always a joyous sight, set in a clearing surrounded by rough-hewn fences. We drove in from the back, passing the machinery shed and the chicken coops and the pigsty and the tethered dogs along the way. The verandas were pitched wide and low, so from a distance the house appeared to be all red roof. Once you had come in through the kitchen door, you immediately saw the point of this arrangement. It meant the sun was barred entry, and inside was kept dark and shadowy as a cave. There was no real logic to the design of Delta. Beyond the kitchen was a breakfast room, really just a screened section of the veranda, and beyond that, a warren of rooms that had been added or partitioned over time to accommodate Jenny and Ranald and their four sons. Jenny would lead us through the rooms, allocating beds as she went, then serve us tea at the front of the house, where the veranda was at its widest and overlooked a lawn and a swimming pool. It was here that the talk took place, and all the stories were told. It was here that I learned where my mother had come from, and why she carried such a burden of sadness. Not that this was much in evidence, for generally she was a person who liked to laugh and enjoy life. But underneath her vibrancy there was another strain, a sort of indelible grief that no amount of good cheer could dislodge, and this grief, it soon became clear, had originated in her Queensland childhood, to which she felt compelled to return periodically, with us in tow as her excuse. It is notable that our father rarely came with us on these trips. Often in the early days he was away flying somewhere, but later he didn't come because my mother preferred to travel without him, There was a lot of talk on the veranda about Mum's hasty marriage to the handsome pilot she had met in a bar, and about how, in the intervening years, things had gone so disastrously wrong. I listened to these tales with extra attention. My father had told me so little about himself, and it was rare to hear from people like Jenny and Ranald, who had known him since the start. So I took note. My writer's instincts already awakened, piecing together, guessing, inventing, trying to figure out what it all meant. My brother and sister preferred to be out on the horses with my cousins, but I was a reluctant rider and happier to sit astride a squatter's chair, scoffing tea cakes and soaking up the family legends. I liked Jenny and Ranald. They were kind and funny. Every morning, the giant Aga stove in the kitchen was fired up and spitting by daybreak. Ranald was the breakfast cook, frying up huge quantities of lamb's fry, bacon, onions, eggs, first for the working men, who had to be away early, and then for us layabouts, who came to the table still sleepy at eight. Geez, did you ever see such a useless bunch, he'd say. Have to get you out cutting fence posts for a day or two, then you'll know you're born. We did go out with him some days, 
sitting off in the truck to check a dam or repair a pump somewhere. Jenny would load us up with smoko, lumps of fruitcake, tins full of scones, tea for the billy. On the way, Vanold would talk about the weather or the price of beef and his fears about the state of the nation. He was a fierce conservative, afraid of the communists, the unions, the Catholics, and he was convinced that the Chinese were intent on sweeping down from the north when nobody was looking. But he was not averse to a debate, and when my mother challenged his views, he happily sparred with her as if it was a sport. He was also a lover of poetry and would recite Burns and Tennyson as he worked away sawing timber or mending gates. His mellifluous voice echoing in the emptiness all around him.